welcome to Innovative Legal Leadership, the podcast where you'll hear from the world's most innovative general counsel and their leadership teams for their insights into the running of a Fortune 500 in-house legal department. The challenges, the wins, the roadblocks, the journey to date, and most importantly, what lies ahead. Let's get into the show. Hello, listeners. Nathan Collier with you here today with a special mini episode. Today, Jim Del Cousas, of course, CEO of Pursuit, sat down with Marie Sotella, who's a new voice here on the podcast. Marie is a member of the content team here at Pursuit and is also a lawyer. Jim and Marie sat down to talk about Twitter and Wachtel and the $90 million fee that was approved by Twitter's former owners in the minutes, perhaps hours, leading up to the acquisition of Twitter by Elon Musk. And of course, the lawsuit that Elon has filed related to that fee. So lots of interesting thoughts about that situation and also kind of the market in general. So as Jim always says, sit back, chillax, and enjoy the episode. Hi, Jim. How are you? Good, Marie. How are you doing? I'm great. What's going on? What's this all about? Oh, we know what this is all about, don't we? <laughs> Tell me about what everybody is talking about. This recent case between Elon Musk and Wachtel Rosen Katz. Tell us what, what happened here for those of us who might be living under a rock. Okay, for those of you living under a rock, you will have, you will not have heard, but what's happened over the course of the last week or so is that Elon Musk has filed a suit uh, against uh, Wachter Lipton, so you know, one of the most prestigious and profitable law firms in the world, aiming back uh, all or part of a $90 million legal fee that was billed and paid literally just minutes before the close of the transaction for Elon Musk to acquire Twitter. So that's the background. And so Elon's not having any of this. And he basically says that $90 million fee, last minute fee, was approved by what he calls lame duck directors who'd abrogated their fiduciary responsibilities and approved what was essentially an unconscionable payment. And so Musk, through his company, the parent company of Twitter now, is claiming back all or part of the $90 million and is going head to head with Walter Lipton. Thank you. So, Jim, I know you have a really interesting viewpoint here. I think obviously everyone is interested in this case because Mr. Musk has a very colored history and, <laughs> yep. and that's not really the point that we're interested in here. Do you have a really interesting viewpoint colored by your perspective on the changes that we're seeing in the legal industry and what needs to change in the industry? So let's dive into that. So tell me, what is so interesting to you about this case? A couple of things jump out at me. First, you know, I, I look at this and, and all remember there's speculation and a, a lot of supposition here because all we've seen essentially is the complaint that Elon Musk has filed. So qualifying everything I say with that, on reading the complaint, a few things jump out at me. I ask myself actually three questions. One, is this the best value-based fee arrangement there is out there? Is it a good example of one? Second, was that $90 million fee reasonable? Was it fair and reasonable? And thirdly, the question on everyone's lips, is Musk going to win? So they're the three questions that pop up for me. On the first question, the question about value-based billing. Now, Wachter Lipton is probably, and by no coincidence, I think, at the forefront of value-based billing and one of the most profitable, if not the most profitable law firm 
in the world. And as I say, I don't think that's a coincidence. Now, in this case, according to the complaint, they had time on the clock, if you like, so they'd billed according to hourly rates up to, I think, less than a third of the 90 million. So call it 30 million. And they were able to value bill, if you like, or in an outcome driven but way, because of course, Twitter succeeded in enforcing the agreement, an additional $60 million on top of the time that had been billed. So I look at that and I think to myself, wow, is that a, a fantastic example of alignment with outcomes rather than just spending time? And on the face of it, it kind of looks like it. Certainly, Twitter's GC and the board seemed to think it was because they signed off on the $90 million fee. Now, whether in truth it is a good example will depend upon um, whether Musk can unravel that fee arrangement. And that's, that's, of course, that's all ahead of us. So great example of potential value-based billing, but let's wait and see whether the outcome actually it manages to, to survive the test of time. So that's my first one. I think the second point I mentioned was, is it fair and reasonable? It is $90 million for um, assisting in closing this transaction a fair and reasonable fee? Now, I, I can hear on the one hand, the Twitter shareholders fist pumping and saying, absolutely, this is fair and reasonable. Why? because they got an offer at $44 billion for their company when by the time was start, by the time Musk was getting nervous and looking to pull out, the company was worth probably 10 to 15 billion. So in truth, they were getting an offer of something like three times the true enterprise value of Twitter. So if you ask those shareholders and the board clearly, did we get value? out of a $90 million fee, they might say, give you a resounding yes, of course. But here's the question I ask. Well, how do you know it's 90? How do you know that another firm might not have suggested 20 or 30 million? In fact, they might have done a review, a high-level review of the case and said, this is a lay-down misere, fait accompli this case, Twitter, you are going to win. And by all accounts, it was. So what if another two or three top-tier law firms, call them top 10, what have they offered to complete the deal and act for Twitter for a total, inclusive of success, of $30 million? Then in that context, you might say, actually, 90, I don't know if $90 million is fair because the market rate seems to be 30. And of course, no surprises here. And this is you know, the broader point that certainly we make here at Pursuit, that unless you've tested the market with um, a, a clear scope of work and clear definition of what the outcome you're looking for is, you don't know what the true value is. So to answer the question here, is $90 million fair and reasonable? You, I can see the perspective by existing shareholders, but in truth, the market, it doesn't appear that the market was ever tested. And when you read the complaint, certainly Elon Musk lawyers say it was completely out of whack with what the market was would have expected. And in fact, the complaint goes so far as to say that Twitter had plenty of lawyers that would have done this job for a lot, lot less. So 
an interesting perspective there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've heard it. I've read it explained as, you know, it could certainly not be seen as an unreasonable insurance policy against, you know, the ulterior outcome and quite a a justifiable return on investment in Wachtell's counsel. But I think to your point, you're so right. If you haven't competitively looked at what others similarly situated firms of of great reputation if you haven't competitively sourced it, then how do you know that this really is fair and, fair and reasonable? It's hard to tell, which kind of then dovetails into the, the juiciest question. Question number three, is Elon going to win this case? Now, setting the scene, typically when you've got a commercial arrangement that, the, you know, in this case, the general counsel and the full suite board of directors approved, it is very difficult, if not impossible, to unwind that unless there's a lack of bona fides, okay? But these are no ordinary circumstances here. In this case, typically, the Wachtell model that we, so far as we know, is that they often agree with their client on a success component, sometimes in addition to the hourly billing, at the end of the transaction. And they've got an incredible reputation and in the market. So often, at least according to the market, if you don't agree with what Wachtell thinks is a reasonable fee, then the chances are next time around, you won't have an opportunity to, to instruct Wachtell. So that's the reputation they hold. And it's a deserved reputation um, and it's a great position to be in. But in this particular case, the circumstances were extraordinary. On one view, and this is the point that Musk makes in the complaint, you had directors that had effectively checked out. They were actually spending someone else's money in the final hours and minutes before close. And that's when this fee agreement was approved and in fact paid. I think, according to the complaint at least, 84 of the $90 million was paid 10 minutes before the official closing. And when you read the complaint, you can see the complaint describes this as a mad scramble to get this amount paid. So so here's why I think Musk is in with a chance. There, What is the market? There is a, it doesn't appear to be any kind of assessment or validation of what a true, a fair market price or a fair amount would have been particularly in circumstances where all all the work had been done up until that point. That's number one. Number two, I I think the likelihood is whether there was any agreement in relation to the contingency or the uplift amount, the transaction wasn't going to get completed anyway. And the third point is it doesn't look like the board of Twitter or indeed Wachter will be able to point to two or three other law firm proposals to demonstrate that their proposal was, let's say, in line with market fair and reasonable, or that there was a premium and that premium was justifiable because of Wachtell's reputation and the additional value, let's say, that they could add. So I think that's going to be missing here for Wachtell. And if that's right, I think it's just going to make it all the harder to demonstrate that this is fair and reasonable, or, or and the test really is probably unconscionable, and that's a higher, higher test. But 
But certainly my sense is Wachtell is going to have some work cut out for them, given the circumstances that have been described in the complaint, because it does on those circumstances. And remember, a complaint is always putting a plaintiff's case at its very highest. It does, it does appear that, like, that there was a mad scramble and it's questionable um, whether or not the call at the $60 million premium above what had been billed up to that point, and I think according to the complaint, something short of a third had been billed. So it does seem to be a question marks over, okay, so what is the additional value for the 60 mil? And is that a fair and reasonable in the circumstances? And if there's no independent benchmark of fair and reasonable, then that's going to make, I think, the Wachtell um, task harder to justify. Yeah, I think what's interesting about this case, too, it's no doubt making Twitter's former board squirm a little bit. I think, you know, the assessment is that they're probably well protected by their judgment rule. But I could see a future, depending on how this case pans out, where boards may be taking a second look at what is our obligation to our shareholders in this respect. Yeah, and just... You know, every board has got a responsibility, of course, and every company's got a responsibility and the executives to be good corporate stewards of the coffers. And in this case, that's essentially what Musk is saying. You are looking out, directors and Wachtel, for for Twitter's best interests, and you are being good corporate stewards of Twitter's money. And that's essentially the message he's delivering. And I don't know whether the directors are going to be exposed because presumably whether it's the business judgment rule or whether they've already got indemnities as part of the transaction documents, my suspicion is they might because otherwise you might see them as parties to the dispute. But in any event, how happy would they have been and possibly would Wachtell have been if there was independent market evidence to justify essentially the 90 million that Wachtell the Wachtell invoice. Right, absolutely. Another question I have for you, Jim, is why is this such a surprise to the industry? I mean, no doubt is, I, I think I looked it up beforehand and and they're currently rated as the second largest profit per equity partner firm. They do a lot of business. I don't think it's any secret that, that this was their fee arrangement, but it seems to be quite a shock to the industry. Why do you think this has been such a big secret? I don't. I don't know, Marie, that it's been a big secret. I, I think Wachtell are uniquely paced, where their their model, if you like, allows them to command the premiums that they do. But having said that, the philosophy behind value based billing and determining value by reference to delivering agreed out- outcomes that. If it's not well known, if it's not, and we know, you know, it's part of, part of part of the pursuit, mission, and journey to get the industry there. Tell sometimes is an ex- excellent example. Now they've got a strong reputation, which p- probably allows them to have a combination of both time billing and outcome driven, and probably claim premium in the outcome driven part of their billing arrangements. But the philosophy is still universal paying for outcomes and competitive pricing of those outcomes is the way, as we say in pursuit, the whole industry should be headed towards. Right. And it definitely looks like that's the trend that we're seeing here. 
with the Wachtell's business model. Well, Jim, I think the final question on everybody's mind is how will this all end? But we'll save that for another episode. Let's do that. We'll save that for another episode. I've got to actually, I have to say to me, I have a very clear view on how I think it will end. So I'm looking forward to sharing that. But let's do that. Let's share that in a follow-up episode that'll come pretty quick. A hot on the heels of this one, I think. Excellent. Great. Thanks, Jim. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, listeners, for tuning into the show. For more, please subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you or someone you know would make a great guest on the show, please connect with me, Jim, the host of the show, via email, jim at pursuit, P-E-R-S-U-I-T dot com. We'd love to hear from you.